0: If analysis is your calling, as it is, say, in Cut the Clutter, I need data, I need facts, because I have to lift the layers over a complexity. The important thing is to get reliable data. Now, for the past many years, that's what's been lacking, particularly with the 2021 census not having been held, the consumer survey not having been held, and also the 2017-18, the last household consumption Expenditure survey done in 2017-18 having been junked, it was seen to be flawed by Modi government. Of course, Modi government critics said that's because it did not show Modi government in a good light, so they junked it. Whatever, it was junked because the government said that this is flawed, particularly because it followed in the year, it took place in the year, immediately after demonetization. That was in 2016-17. So 2017-18 did not did not see the light of day. A lot of the analysis, a lot of the debate in this country, from incomes, poverty, poverty levels, welfare plans, urbanization, rural versus urban, who's happier, who's more unhappy, minimum support prices, are people starving? Are people hungry? If people are not, if people are hungry, why aren't you seeing them on the street? Lying li- lying on the footpaths, and if people are not hungry, then why is in India featuring so poorly in the global hunger index? All of those debates have taken place in a fact-free environment or a data-free environment. So what we have right now, earlier, earlier this week, this analysis came out. It was released late last week, so it was only by earlier this week that that's by Monday, Tuesday that we've been able to get. much of the data as possible because right now only the highlights have been made public. The full report will come out later. But great blessing, mana from the hammer, you you want to call it something else, you can call it that. For if you are an analyst, you've now got the Modi government's findings of its first household consumption expenditure survey. What does it tell us? It tells us how do how do how much do Indians spend in a month? That is in rural India, state by state. It is broken down state by sp- state, so you can you can also see regional diversity, etc. Et also, what is it that they spend their money on? So you know how many at which level, bil- the bottom five percent, the top five percent, every five percent in between. For some reason, in this language, these are called. Fractile. So for a moment, I, I was I was stumped. I didn't know what fractile was. I tried to Google it. Even the dictionary confused me. So I was. I had half a mind of maybe telling you all that. Look, I don't know what fractile is. So if like, you can understand, Like you know my my weakness for old Hindi film songs. That said, I now understand it a little bit better. Fractile is nothing. It's just a fraction. So you see the bottom. 5% is people at that income level, top 5% people at that income level, and then you break it down at every 5% level. We are not not going into all the details of that. But the fact is, now the data is available. So you know what is the gap between the rich and the poor. It's not like the rich and the poor is not, not the poorest person in some part of deep eastern UP or deep, eastern, or, or, or deep western Bihar or maybe in some part of Odisha, etc., Com- compared with Adani or Ambani, not like that, but it's all a question of averages. Data statistics is about averages. So, on, on an average, what does the poorest person spend? On an average, what does the richest, ri- richest person spend or richest persons spend? That is how analysis is done a lot of the data is available to us now. Now, what is it that the data tells us? I'll, I picked out a few highlights for you, which I will list. And then I will go into some of these on a granular basis, not all of this. Because if I do that, it will take a couple of hours. And I know that you are very patient with me. You won't have the patient, patience for that. Plus, I am quite sure I will myself get confused. So, what I will do is the link to the document with all the highlights that Niti Ayog has released, I will share that with you. the description of this episode of karta Letter, so so please do check it out yourself however there are the six highlights from this as i pick them up number one it shows that poverty is down now ceo of niti ayo bbr subramanyam who's a respected senior civil servant is officer he said that this data shows that poverty that abject poverty is down below five percent now this is a lot better, even than the last survey that this government did on multidimensional poverty in India. That would have put the number of people below the poverty line at about 10 to 11 percent. This one puts it above, below 5 percent. Now, multidimensional poverty, multi- that 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 looked at how did you have your child going to school, what was infant mortality, nutrition. Many other things. Did you did you possess something? Did you have a possession, a bicycle, a, a buffalo, maybe a goat, stuff like that? In this case, this goes simply based on how much did you spend in a month. And on that, on that basis, Niti Yog says poverty is now down below 5% in India, which is not which is not implausible because if you buy the 10-11% figure on multidimensional poverty, then below 5% is fine. Now, it doesn't mean that those who are above the poverty line are rich. They are not rich. They are still poor. They are still quite poor, in fact. But poverty line has a specific definition. Because so few are below the poverty line now, once again, it's a claim that the Niti Ayog makes that absolute destitution in India has mostly disappeared now. Once again, you can find a lot of poor people. Most Indians still are very poor. But destitution, I would remember from my early days, childhood, teen years, after that also. And as would many of you, coming into Delhi from a small town or going to Bombay for the first time, you found so many thousands of people lined up on the footpath at night. Just sleeping on the footpath because they had nowhere to go. Now you might say, oh, now they are in slums, slums, life in slums. Is subhuman. Yet the fact is that you don't see so many people on footpaths, and that tells you that destitution has been declining. Once again, they are not becoming rich. The decline or disappearance of destitution does not mean that people have become middle class or even new middle class. They probably are still quite poor, but it is all it's all relative and a question of and a question of how much deprivation somebody suffers from. So there was a time, 60s, 70s, when it was routine. In fact, poverty was described as lacks of people sleeping on the streets. And it was that destitution that you, you could see most clearly on the, big, on the streets of the big cities of India that inspired Sahir Ludhianmi to write in 1958 for a 1958 film, Subah Hogi, Chino Arab Hamara, Hindustan Hamara, को घर नहीं है, सारा हमारा। it was also a kind of a parody or maybe maybe satire on something that Iqbal had written Chino Arab चीनो, चीनो अरब Hamara, हमारा हम was a leftist but there was a telltale line in that one and that said जितनी भी हैं, हैं, के, हैं आशिया हमारा। so that was a tribute to the the white destitution in India that brought people from rural India into big cities. They had nowhere to go to, not even a slum. And so you found them on the footpath. So that kind of destitution is now over. I've taken a couple of minutes explaining this because poverty, the absence of abject poverty, the absence of or the decline of the people below this poverty line, it does not mean that they are not poor. The, it does not mean they are not they are not they are not needy. It, all it means is, and it's a, It's a good good thing that the destitution of the kind we, that we had in the past is not there. So in fact, the Niti Aayog CEO says that even if you go to 2010-11, when the poverty line was below 30-31 rupees, and you apply the principle of inflation today. It doubles even, even using that yardstick. The absolutely poor people below the poverty line is below five percent. So, yet again, for the 17th time already in this episode of Karta Clutter, it does not mean that the poor have ceased to be poor, it is that just that the most poor. Are now not as poor as they used to be. So this is a work in progress. It's a large country with a lot of people who are still very poor. That said, that's with all those caveats, I go on further. So the next point is, next point is the rural-urban gap is closing. It has not come too close, but it is closing. How is it closing? Two thousand four-five. The same survey, the same household expenditure survey. Two thousand four-five. The gap between urban spending and rural spending was 91%. So our and urban indians spent almost twice as much as the rural rural indian. The gap was 91%, the gap is still substantive but it is somewhere between 69 to 71% according to the survey depending on how you calculate but you can say 71%. So what was a 91% gap has now become 71% gap. At the same time, you can see that rapid urbanization is taking place. People are moving from villages to the cities in search for better opportunities. And again, income levels in cities are much better. So all of that you can extrapolate from data that's been thrown up by this survey. And you can arrive at those conclusions. Number three, spending power in the country has grown, gone up. So, compared to 2011-12, the last survey, to now, 2022-23, the spending power has gone up three times. So Once again, I know the question, all of you are questioning people. You will say, at the same time, inflation has gone up. Yes, inflation has gone up. But if you apply the inflation that's taken place in this decade, it would become about 2x. So, inflation has taken the value to what you're spending by twice as much, but your spending power is thrice as much. So that is 50%. That tops the inflation figure by 50%, which is a very good thing. So inflation has made it twice as expensive as compared to 2010-11. But you can spend, you are now spending three times as much. That is progress. Next point, that food spending is down. Now, that's very important. And I know. At the moment this comes out, that Indians are spending less on food, ah, Indians don't have enough to eat. It is not that. The story is not, the data is not telling us that people are not spending enough on food. People are still spending on food. It is just that as a percentage of their total spend, spending on food has come down. For example, I'm giving you notional figures right now. Then I will get into more granular figures. Suppose suppose in 1991 or 1990, 1991 you had an inc- you, you had a spending in a month of a hundred rupees. Out of those hundred rupees you probably spent 55 rupees or 57 rupees or 60 rupees on just food. Then you were left with very little. Today that spending for rural areas is about 46 rupees. For urban areas, is 39 rupees. And you can see declining year upon year upon year. You are not spending less on food. You are spending more on food than you did before. It's just that your incomes have gone up. Your also, your needs have gone up. So, what are you spending more on? You are spending more on medical care. You are spending more on education for your children. You are spending more on conveyance. Very important transport. And most importantly, you are spending a lot more, a lot more on durable goods. That's from mobile phones, from mobile phones to refrigerators, to automobiles, stuff like that. So, things that add, that add to quality of life. But the food as an overall, as a share of your overall spending basket, think of your overall spending like a thali, like a platter, right? On, on that platter, if food was this big, to dates this big but lots of other things have come in that is the difference that has come about the spending on food is not down within food that's the next point within food spending on cereals cereals plus pulses plus oil edible oil plus sugar that has declined once again don't misread it don't misread it to mean although I, i'm sure a lot of people will say ah that means indians don't have enough grain to eat that is not the story Indians have enough grain to eat. It is just that Indians, they are spending, they don't need to now spend a bulk of a large part of their incomes or their spending basket or spending platter on cereals, on roti, dal, chawal, uh, ghee, oil, stuff like that. They now spend a lot more on milk, on, on fruits, on vegetables, meat, poultry, fish, stuff like that. So, high protein, high protein, high protein rich and micronutrient rich diets like fruits and vegetables. Those have gone up. So, once again, people are going up the value chain. So, sometimes you find a lot of the lot of the stuff that comes out in some publications and it's also ideologically driven to say that, oh, India's per capita grain consumption has come down. If India's per capita food grain consumption comes down, even so, even if such a thing happens, it is because it is replaced by something else. So instead of eating eight rotis or maybe a full thali of rice at one point of time, you you, you now have maybe six rotis or four rotis, but you have some. You 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 have a lot more of maybe maybe dahi, maybe you're drinking more milk, you're having more paneer, etc. etc. And I will give you some granular granular data, which is quite telling. And for that data, we have to thank this survey. So, once again, among food spending on food, the share of cereals has declined greatly. It has some other implications also in the entire MSP debate. I will come to that as we go along with granular data, as I said. And next point, and the last point, my six highlights, last point is that the south is much better off than all of the north. If you drew a line across the Vindhya's, so, Peninsular India and in the South, and the rest, the South is doing much better. And I will show you some graphics also to ex- explain that. And and once again, once again, while it is doing generally better than the than the North, I find it a bit unscientific to divide India between North and the South because we tend to see the North as the Hindi heartland. The North. It's not a synonym for Hindi heartland. Hindi heartland is the Hindi heartland. That includes central India, which is not the north, just because it's north of the Vindhya's. Vindhya's actually skirt, actually abut Madhya Pradesh, which is central India. But central India, parts of most of Rajasthan, Bihar, etc., large parts of UP, they are not really northern India. Northern India also includes some richer states like Haryana and Punjab, which, which which have very little common with the Hindi heartland. So, if you see the Hindi heartland, the south is doing enormously, enormously better. As part of this, another thing that follows, another fact that follows is that region in India that's doing the poorest, the poorest is eastern India. And that defies, that defies the northern definition because eastern India it is, that is the poorest. That said, I will go into some granular detail as we go along. So, first of all, look at this graphic. This graphic and this bunch of graphics, my colleague Nikhil Rampal, who's been working with us all this while but has now gone to do his MBA to Europe. So, he's right now in in Rome at his institution and he's done this work from there. And I will share with you also a link to his story. He shows us and it's a color-coded graphic. So, first of all, remember a basic data point or maybe two basic data points. One, how many how large was this sample? So, this sample, it is done very scientifically. Don't tell me, oh, a country of 140 crore, 140 crore people, how can you sample 2,60,000 people? That's that's what we always hear when we see a Pew survey or we see an opinion poll. Now, in any case, opinion polls in Indian cephalogy have become so discredited that that's not an example I should use. But when you see a Pew survey or something and people say, ah, with 200,000 people or 50,000 people, how can you tell me what a country is thinking? It's not like that. Surveying is not an art. It's a craft. It's a craft and it's science. So a lot goes into choosing these samples and also, also asking the right questions and doing the right analysis. The methodology, you can read in that document from Niti Aayog, of which I have shared the link with you. So this sample all over India was 2,61,746 households, not people, households. Of which lakh and 55,014 are rural, 155014 are rural, and 1 lakh lakh that is 106732 are urban. Now that is the first data point. Second, what is the big headline figure it throws up the headline figure it throws up is that average rural household in india spent is now spending or spent in this year 2022 23 3860 rupees per person not per family per person so so a family of five you multiply this by five right so 3860 per person per month in urban areas it's 6,521. I told you the difference is about 71%. So, that is the one basic figure. So, you will see this chart and you will see this figure. That's the basic figure we think about. And then we see, the first, so the first chart is comparison of rural expenditures by state. Green is better, pale is worse, yellow-orange gets worse. And the darker the green gets, the better it is. So if you see this chart of rural India, average, as I told you, average spending is three thousand eight hundred sixty rupees. But what is the greenest? Kerala is the greenest. 5,962, in fact, there is one state that's even greener than Kerala. So just search the map. Can you find that state? I'll give you two seconds. All right. If you haven't found it, go east. I told you east is the poor, poorest part of India, but go northernmost. In the east, right above the Siligudi neck, which joins the northeast with India, you will find the tiny state of Sikkim. At Sikkim has 7,787 rural spending per capita. That is more than twice as much as the national average. So Sikkim, that way, is the highest, but it's a very small state, very tiny state. Among states of any size above one crore, Kerala. Kerala has the highest spending. It is the greenest, that is 5,960. It is also the least rural state in some ways. Kerala, I would say, is our most urban state, right? It's sometimes difficult to say what is rural and what is urban. So, Kerala is 5,960. That's all of this is at least one and a half times higher than the national average. Tamil Nadu is 5,457. 5, Andhra, nearly 5,000. Karnataka, little over 4,500. Telangana, nearly 5,000. All of these are states in the green. Then Maharashtra is light green, just over 4,000, right? I told you, north of the Mindyas is all much better. So, all of the north of the Mindyas is green. But when you go above the south of India, then to find green, you have to come to Delhi, Haryana and Punjab. All All the rest of the country... South of the Vindhya's does quite poorly. In fact, Rajasthan, we had one more episode of Karta Clutter just the other day, just a couple of months back when state elections were going on. And we had talked about how Rajasthan has broken away from the Bimaru pack. So you can see Rajasthan is over 4000, 4348. And there is a little surprise there which is counterintuitive for me. And I also recheck the data. I recheck the data, data also on what the government put out. The data is all from what the government put out. And that is that Gujarat does so poorly on rural spending and by implication on rural incomes. So Gujarat is 3,820 rupees, which is not only much lower than the progressive quote unquote or industrialized states in the south. I'm making that comparison because Gujarat is also a coastal state. It's also an industrialized and fast industrializing state. And that is where the Gujarat model etc. came up and catapulted Mr. Modi into this great popularity. So, Gujarat rural spending is very poor. It's 3,820 which is almost 500 rupees less or 528 rupees less than Rajasthan which we think of, which is the R in the Bimaru pact. So, Gujarat rural spending is less than Rajasthan. Maharashtra is barely in the green, but still in the green. And then you go, then you grow east, and then you will find the palest of our states. The palest of our states are Odisha, Chhattisgarh, Bihar, Madhya Pradesh, Uttar Pradesh. They are all in the 3,000 rupee threshold. Madhya Pradesh, in fact, 3,158 even lower than Uttar Pradesh, which is 3,277, which is which in turn is much lower than Haryana, 4,912, and so on and so forth. In fact, even Bihar, rural spending is more than rural spending in Uttar Pradesh, not by very much, uh, just about 170, 180 rupees, but once again, counterintuitive to me. Now, if you had asked me, before I had seen this data from this survey, I would have said, no, 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 no. Rural spending in Bihar has to be much lower than UP because UP is on the rise. But this data from Modi government tells you a very different story. Come to the next chart. That is urban spending. Again, again, the color coding is about the same. States in the south are mostly green. And once again, states in the south, which are the greenest, On rural spending are also the greenest in urban spending with one difference. You can see that Tamil Nadu in this case, rural spending, Kerala was the highest, Tamil Nadu was a close second. In this case, Tamil Nadu is the highest in the south and among major states in the country, the second highest in the country. So, Tamil Nadu is 7742, Kerala is 7102. See those numbers on the map. We'll also have a pointer running on them. But there is a very interesting thing there. Look at Telangana, which is the major state, which has the highest urban spending in the country. It is landlocked. Telangana, 8,251 rupees. Isn't that quite remarkable? Because then you come to Haryana, which has Gurgaon, it is 7,948. And Delhi, Delhi is 8,250. Delhi is all a city barring Barring maybe, uh, maybe the Asian Games village or Scenic Farms village and all stuff like that. And some some villages of Delhi, I'm, I'm being facetious. But Telangana has as much urban spending on an average as even the city-state of Delhi, 8251. Now, that is the magic of Hyderabad and the growth of Hyderabad. Also, the entrepreneurship of the people of Telangana. So, Telangana has the highest number and once again, Andhra is not doing too badly, 6877. But once again, if you go north of the Vindhya's, then figures become more and more dismal. And Hindi heartland again brings up the bottom. And yet again, for urban spending also, Madhya Pradesh does really poorly. Madhya Pradesh is lower than Uttar Pradesh. In this case, Bihar is lower than Uttar Pradesh. But Bihar also hardly has any cities. Bihar has not built any urban areas. Bihar is still probably our most rural large state. Chhattisgarh, Jharkhand, in the same ballpark. Odisha, not doing so badly. Odisha on urban spending is better, little bit better, but still better than Uttar Pradesh and Bihar, which is a surprise to me. West Bengal, again not bad. West Bengal also or urban spending is better than Uttar Pradesh and Madhya Pradesh marginally. Even so, on rural spending also, Bengal might be little bit better, fractionally better than Uttar Pradesh and Bihar. And once again, it sets to rest many, many shibbolets and many preconceived notions that we might have. Then we come to average monthly expenditure. Uh, I told you it has tripled in the last decade. So see this chart, this tells you. And this actually takes you back to 1999, 2000. Their average rural expenditure was 486 and urban was 855. In 2011-12, a decade earlier than this one, it was 1,430 rupees for rural and 2,630 for urban. See now, it has tripled in this case over the past decade, almost tripled in the last past decade. And again, if you extrapolate, going back almost 25 years to 99 2000 you will find that average Indians have done 50% better on their spending power compared to inflation, which is all good news, of course, every, everything could be much better than it is. Rural-urban gap, I told you earlier, it's declining, and I said, I will tell you, give you more granular data, so I, I can do no better than share this graphic with you. See, between 1999 and 2000, the rural-urban gap actually has increased a little bit, from 2004, five, It has begun to decline and then it declines quite fast after 2011-12. So, 2004-5, UPA comes to power. It starts declining. It declines over 10 years and then Modi government comes to power. It declines even more steeply. That's why the gap which at one point had risen up to 91% is now about 70-71%. I told you earlier. You ca- depending on how you ca- calculate, between 69 to 71 percent. Again, good news. Still a lot of gap, but again, it confirms our thesis that India has to urbanise more. India has to build more cities because that's where the opportunity is. Then families in the northeast and southern states. That's a telling graphic. I told you earlier that the south is generally doing so much better than than. The states north of the Vindhyas. I will not calling them northern states because Bihar is not a northern state, right? Or Chhattisgarh is not a northern state. States generally north of, of the Vindhyas. The south is doing well. The surprise also is that the northeast is doing very well. And this graphic just gives you simple a simple bar chart showing the urban and rural spending in the south, the northeast, the north the West and the East, which is the lowest, South is the highest, Northeast is the second highest, East is the lowest. And then you can see the all India figure excluding the South. The reason we have excluded the South there is, so you can see the difference between the Southern states and all the rest of India, because it's not, because this South and the rest of India, I refuse to call it North South, South versus the rest of India debate keeps going on. Now Now we have data give you some more details and give you more authentic analysis on this. Now, we bring you some more details on the most important points from in my understanding that this survey tells us. That is the decline of food as a share of our expenses. We are not eating less, we are not spending less on food. It is just as a decline of our total spend. What does that mean? What is the data telling us? So if you see rural India, rural India in 1999-2000 spent 59.4%. So if rural India spent a thousand rupees in a month, a thousand rupees in a month on everything, 594 rupees out of the thousand rupees was spent on food, food of various kinds, all kinds of food, 594 out of a thousand. Today it has come down to 464. Now you might say 46% is still a lot, but it's a lot less than 59.5%. And that is the decline in the rural India consumption patterns. And you can see this has moved on from decade to decade. 1999 2000 59.4%, 2004 5 it is 53.1%, 2011 12 series survey. 52.9%. And now the decline is quite, quite sharp. It is 46.4%. And I know many people would say, oh, maybe that's because Modi government is giving free grain to people. So imputed value of that grain has been added in this spend. And in fact, even if you stretch it, all you can stretch it to is about 47.47%. So that is a big decline in food as a share of our total spending. So, what that means is, you are not eating less. But if you are spending less of your income on food, that means you are earning more, which also means you have more to spend on other things. Now, what do we spend more on? That I will tell you as we go ahead. But look at the urban sample. Urban sample, in 1999-2000, urban Indians spent 48.1% of all their spending in a month on food, 48.1%. Today, it has come to 39.2%. So, again, using that thousand rupee formula, if, if, a, if a person spent or if a family spent thousand rupees per family member, in a month of that, 481 went to food. Today, only 392 goes to food. So, the 100 odd rupees or 90 odd rupees that are now spared can go into buying durable goods, conveyance, mobile phones education medical care anything so this resource is being shifted from food to other things simply because you have more base, simply because you have larger income available once again all this calculation is not by volume of food it's not to say somebody was eating 2 kilos of 2 kilos of grain every week or 5 kilos of grain every week is now eat, eating 4 kilos not like that it is by value. It is by value of the money that you are spending on each item. And I will also then come to what is it that families are spending more on. So, while the share of food in the overall basket has come down, within food, the share of food grain has come down. So, how do we define food grain? That is food grain, wheat, rice, millets, etc., pulses, oil seeds, sugar also. So if you see all of that, the share of that food grains plus pulses plus oil seeds plus sugar, that share is declining. And even out of the already diminished as a percentage of total spend, household spending on food, the share of cereals is coming down. And what is it being replaced by? It's being replaced by milk. In fact, the spending on milk today, is more is much more than cereals and pulses put together so atta dal chawal all put together families are spending individual families on an average are spending more on milk in india similarly there is more there is more spending going on on fruits and vegetables and if you add fruits and vegetables together fruits and vegeta- vegetables together the spend per person spent is more than the spent on food grain that's the important part so vegetables are more than once again i'm giving you i'm dicing the same same data in different ways the so spend on vegetables is more than cereals the spend on fruits is more than pulses so an average indian spends more on fruits than dal more on vegetables than atta chawal rice wheat millets stuff like that What is growing? What is growing is the share of eggs, fish, meat and this tells us, this survey also tells us, very good data point, that average Indians now increasingly prefer animal protein over plant protein. Where does plant protein come from? Mostly from dal, some some from some food grains also, but mostly dals. But Indians prefer animal protein. And don't think I'm wading into vegetarian, non-vegetarian debate because milk protein, milk is also, milk also is an animal source of protein. So milk, paneer, the protein you get from that is also animal protein. So Indians are spending a lot more on animal proteins than on plant proteins. And there is a shift. That is what this survey tells us. What this does is, this fits in with well known economic theories that as income goes up, people's share of spend on food comes down. Now, if you go to a really rich family, you might say, Oh, family of so and so, they earn 5 crores a year. I'm just giving you a notional figure. They earn 5 crores a year, but on food, they spend as much as the family, as as a family that earns 1 lakh a year. That is probably true. That's because the higher income level, the lower the share of food in your overall spend. And that is what this growth tells you. Now, this tells you, I, I told you this will also give us some indicators towards the MSP debate and also an agriculture debate. So, if you see the items whose consumption is going up fruits and vegetables up 4.5%, dairy, dairy, meat, right? Dairy is not meat, all meat, dairy, goat rearing, pig rearing, meat. So, dairy. And meat, that has gone up 5.4%. Fruits and vegetables, 4.5%. Dairy, dairy and livestock, 5.4%. Fisheries growing by 7.1%. This is humongous growth, right? In comparison, cereals, food grain, which is rice, wheat, a couple of pulses, not all pulses. Right, wheat, a couple of pulses, a couple of oil seeds, and sugarcane. We might understand this better with a larger data point. That food grains, pulses, oil seeds, sugar, throwing cotton as well. These are all the crops that are covered with MSP, covered by MSP. All of these together account for only 28% at highs. Though art to it, 28% of our agriculture or farm output. The rest, 72%, is poultry, dairy. Fisheries and many other ancillary activities. So, that is how the character of agriculture has changed, and that also underlines to us the limitations of MSP as a stimulus for agriculture now. All of them together, they've just gone up by 1.9%. Now, what is the key point to look at there? That all of this, all of these rice, wheat, sugarcane, some pulses, oil seeds, which have grown by 1.9%, these are all the products which are supported by MSP. So, what is supported by MSP is going up by 1.9%. What is not supported by MSP is going up by fruits and vegetables 4.5, dairy and livestock 5.4, fisheries 7.1. So, what is the analytical point? The analytical point I will give you here is that wherever the farmer is aligned with the markets, the market, the farmer knows how to deal with the market. And as prices go up, as demands go up, farmer produces more and earns more. And that's why it is the farmers who are liberated from MSP regime who are doing that much better and their products are growing. However, those who are caught in the trap of the MSP regime, they keep on growing what they are growing because they are used to getting an assured buyer at an assured price. And that's why they are caught in this trap That's that's the reason I call it the MSP trap. So, what is not growing in Indian agriculture is entirely what is now supported by MSP. So, when you say give us us MSP for everything else, you know what you're doing. Because one set of Indian farmers are aligned with the market, they are dealing with the market. The other set of Indian farmers have been protected from the market or divorced from the market or maybe quarantined from the market. The first lot is growing on an average by 6%, about 6%. The other lot, the protected lot, is growing by 1.9%. And to me, that is the most important takeaway. So, in conclusion, I will also share a couple more charts with you. And I will not waste your time. I love the sound of my voice. I can go on. So I will not waste your time. Look at these charts because these charts, these charts give you again very granular data. On what is going up where spending is going up for households where it's coming down and you can see how it's coming down for cereals if you look at rural india in fact for cereals it is less than one third of what it was in 99 2000 so 99 2000 an average rural household spend per person 37.4 percent of its overall spent on food grain today it's just 10.59 percent that is almost Three and, a half, three and a half times less in comparison. What has gone up? What's gone up is milk and vegetables. What's gone up is what's gone up is milk, vegetables, fruits, and then you can also see some other things. You can see more spending on durables. And the same thing by and large applies to urban India as well. Cereals have come down over these 30 years from 25.78% to 9.21%. Again, about one-third pulses down by about 50% milk was always high remains high important thing is that milk the milk spending by urban indians today is 50% more 50% more than their total spending on cereals and pulses roti chawal millets dal right all of it together they spend 50% more on milk then they spent on all of this. So these are important lessons to learn from this survey. And once again, think about MSP, think about this paradox also, that some of India's most progressive farmers, farmers who embraced green revolution first of all, and who embraced the green revolution possible. Farmers of Punjab, what is now Haryana, what became Haryana, Western UP, etc. Those are the farmers which are caught in the MSP trap and are demanding MSP for more crops. There, the growth rate is only 1.9%. Consumption of these products is going down as household expenditure. Whereas they are largely cut out from the markets that are really growing in the country. And that's what gives us, sorry for the cheap pun that's what gives us some more food for thought.